Welcome to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast, a podcast providing in-depth analysis and coverage of your favorite Milwaukee Brewers by Peter and David Go. Greetings, Brewers fans. Welcome to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. Here to cover quite a week for the Brewers. Couldn't have gone much better. Six-game road uh, set against the Padres and Cubs, and Brewers taking five of six. So a really good, strong start from the Brewers and a really, really good week um, with some important divisional games as well as playing San Diego, who's a top five team for sure in all of baseball. So really great week and excited to give you uh, some updates around the Brewers and just break down why did the Brewers have such a good week and uh, look forward to what's coming up next week. So, David, your thoughts here before we get started? Of course, it was a great week. One thing that I really liked about the way that the Brewers played, not only did they take two series from pretty good teams, but they also uh, they also had pretty good production all the way through. We saw guys step up like Billy McKinney, J.P. Fireisen, guys that you don't necessarily expect to uh, to produce well. They won five out of six, and that's without Christian Yelich, Lorenzo Cain, Jackie Bradley Jr. hasn't been playing well. Colton Wong only came back at the end of that stretch, so... Brewers really were able to do that without many of their uh, their best players. Uh, so I think that was really impressive to see. And I think that, I don't know if I'd say that like propels them to be now like one of the best teams in the, the major leagues, but I think it shows that the Brewers are maybe better than people expect. And they do have a pretty deep roster. Yeah, that, that like you said, Brewers did it without some of their best talent. Of course, Christian Yelich being absent this week. A lot, of, a lot of smaller players stepping up in big ways. And, you know, it speaks to what the Brewers front office has built as far as the roster goes. Um, and the depth has really been important for the Brewers starting pitching again, um, minus the one start, looking very, very solid. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of good things, really, we can take away from this week. Um, and, and certainly let's dive into that. But before we do so, what is our trivia question for the day? Yeah, uh, today I actually went to the Pirates-Twins game at uh, Target Field here in Minnesota. Um, so I was thinking about this earlier. Um, are there? I was first wondering, are there any current Brewers that previously played for the Twins, which there are not any. Uh, but there is one active player on the Twins roster to have previously played for the Brewers at the Major League level. So the question is, who is that one player who is active on the Twins roster and previously played for the Brewers? I will give you a hint. Uh, it's not a, It's not like a bench guy or like a, a, a bullpen arm. It's a pretty prominent guy on their roster. Uh, so that's just something to keep in mind, as many of you probably uh, aren't very familiar with the Twins roster. Uh, so that is today's trivia question. And we'll, of course, have that answered for you at the end of today's podcast episode. Uh, that takes us into today's random player of the day. Uh, today is a very random one. I'm guessing most of you either don't remember him or haven't heard of him, but he, he is Neil Ramirez. He made two appearances with the Brewers back in 2016. They claimed him off waivers from the Cubs, had like, it looks like about two successful years as a reliever uh, with Chicago before they waived him. He, in his two appearances, allowed two runs, uh, 15 FIP and a 10.8 ERA. They actually designated him for assignment afterwards, and the Twins claimed him off waivers, speaking of. And since then, he also has played for the Giants, Mets, Indians, and Blue Jays in uh, the last three years, three, four years. 
since uh, appearing last in the big leagues in 2019, he actually uh, has taken his talents to the Mexican league, playing for the Mariachis de Guadalajara. Uh, so he is no longer in Major League Baseball, could be back at some point, but now pitching in the Mexican league. A very random player uh, today, Neil Ramirez. Certainly one off the radar. And uh, what is that? What was that uh, team that he's on now in the Mexican league? The Mariachis de Guadalajara. Uh, so can you translate that for me? Spanish minor? Mariachis? Like a mariachi band. I don't know. There you go. I think oh. that's what it is. We'll go with that. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, I, figured, I, figured I, would, I figured I would test you out on, on that. And, and maybe we'll get you some uh, extra credit for, for using your Spanish in your podcast episode. Yeah. Christian Yelich and an injury update. What do you have, David? Brewers took an MRI on his lower back, uh, actually, this weekend, and there was nothing that came up in the MRI, so good news on that front. Uh, they're not exactly sure how they're going to proceed, but they're going to see if they can start building up activities a little bit and then kind of see where, where it takes them. Uh, they're hoping he can be back in relatively short order, but of course you don't know, and you don't want to rush him back yet. The last thing you'd want is Yelich re-injuring his back. So the Brewers certainly will take him a little bit slowly. And Billy McKinney has filled in really nicely in his absence so far. Corey Ray, another outfielder, actually made his major league debut on Saturday. Uh, he actually, he's a Chicago native, so he was able to debut in his home city. He actually, he didn't find out that he was going to make his major league debut that day until uh, around the time the national anthem started, but he was able to contact his dad and his dad because it was just a short drive over, was able to be in attendance for his debut. So a little bit of a cool moment there. He was the fifth overall pick back in 2016 and in some ways was kind of the face of the rebuild. He was the biggest, or he was the highest draft pick the Brewers had over that stretch uh, because 2015 had been their worst year. Um, and he was seemed to be the, the safe guy, the guy who would come up pretty quickly and make a pretty good impact at the major league level as an everyday outfielder, maybe, maybe getting towards all-star caliber. But unfortunately, that hasn't really turned out that way. He struggled. He won the Southern League MVP in 2018, but since hasn't really done much. But it's still good to see him make his debut, scored a run for them in the game on Saturday. Uh, and hopefully can make a little bit more of an impact going forward. But it's good to see him uh, make his debut for the Brewers on Saturday. Yeah, like you said, I do remember back to 2016, feels like it was honestly just yesterday, we were talking about Brewers having the fifth overall pick. You know, who do the Brewers go with um, and analyzing their different options. And yeah, we everybody, the kind of the consensus agreement was that, yeah, maybe Corey Ray doesn't have as much upside as some other of those prospects. But you sort of, quote unquote, uh, knew what you were going to get, uh, knew as in as much as you can with with prospects in the draft, uh, especially in baseball. But interesting that um, in that year, the the Brewers, at least so far, ha hasn't seemed to be a great pick uh, with Corey Ray. Yeah, and 2016 was an interesting draft as well. Like we talked about, Corey Ray, you know, did kind of feel like he was the the safe bet up in that in those high high top draft picks. Um, and sort of, quote unquote, knew what you were going to get as far as, you know, as much as you can with with prospects in the MLB draft. Uh, but Brewers ultimately decided on Corey Ray. I remember when we were talking back then, we were relatively happy with the pick. We felt like, you know, it was a safer pick. You know, we were expecting Ray to hopefully come up in a couple of years and also kind of coincide with when the Brewers were also going to be getting better, which in reality turned out to be quicker. And Corey Ray also took longer uh, to make it to the major leagues. Um, but certainly we'll see um, what comes to fruition from some of those top guys, but did have some, even actually some interesting players later in the uh, first round, second round, 
Will Smith uh, of the Dodgers um, in that draft, as well as Kyle Lewis, uh, rookie of the year last year in the American League, Shane Bieber, Pete Alonzo, uh, uh, fourth round and second round picks, um, as well as some other names, including Bo Bichette, uh, Kavan, BGO as well. Um, but kind of an interesting 2016 draft to go on a, on a tangent there. Feels like it was really just a year or two ago, but uh, Brewers, again, drafting Corey Ray at that time and happy to see Ray finally making his debut. Uh, I think at this point, you know, ceiling, I think we're in agreement would probably be, you know, an everyday starter at very best. I'm not even sure that we're really going to get that out of Corey Ray. Uh, how do you see Corey Ray fitting into the Brewers roster both this year and going forward? He seems like the all too common fourth outfielder type um, that's coming up. He has too much swing and miss in his game. So I don't think that he'll be an everyday player because of that, unless he is able to start making more contact. He's got pretty good power, good speed, but the contact uh, just hasn't really developed well since he, since he was drafted. I do remember at the time thinking that they should go with A.J. Puck maybe. Uh, I always like pitchers better, but they do pose a higher risk. Puck was actually considered to be maybe the best pick um, or the best draft prospect in that draft, but he did fall. I think part of it was uh, signability and then also some risk. Big left-hander from, from Florida had a little bit of an unconventional delivery. They thought he'd be more prone to injury. Uh, I was... I, I thought there was more upside in Puck, uh, and then they, of course, went with Ray instead. Puck seems like the better pick now, but Brewers also decided to you kind of base their rebuild off of position players. Um, even though the pitchers have, have ended up uh, being better than than the yeah. position players in the rebuild, they they really, they're like their top prospects that they had back in the 2016 through 18 range. They had, of course, Corey Ray, but they had Lewis Brinson. They had Arcia, who came up around that time, of course, um, and even some of the other guys that they used in trades, like Monte Harrison was also included in that uh, that Yelich trade, Isan Diaz. So a lot more position players, and then the ones who end up really being the big pieces, Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta, the homegrown pitchers. Uh, but interesting that uh, that philosophy ended up kind of working out for the Brewers, even though it really did not go at all as planned as far as the rebuild goes. Yeah, pretty much all the, the the Brewers' top position player prospects either were traded or really didn't turn out. Um, even Orlando Arcee, the Brewers' uh, top prospect overall um, as far as the major league level, not exactly flourishing in his career uh, with the Brewers. But it is kind of a, an interesting strategy. Uh, my understanding of it is that, you know, position players typically have, you know, less injury risk just from the front of Tommy John, that sort of thing, um, really threatening injuries. And so you know, the strategy of loading up on position players and then using those pieces uh, to make acquisitions of pitchers or even uh, sign some pitchers over free agency, which, you know, the Brewers have had great success <laughs> doing over the last 10 years, uh, as we talked about Matt Garza last last episode. Um, but yeah, like you said, it is kind of funny how it turned out. Um, we talked even, what, two years ago about uh, Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and Freddie Peralta. And we said, hey, if one of these guys turns out to be a good starter, and one's a good reliever and one's a bust, like the Brewers should be very happy with that. And so far we've had, you know, Burns, who was a really, really good reliever for a year, now a really, really good starter. Woodruff, who's turned into a really good starter. Peralta, who was a very good uh, reliever, now turned into what's been a pretty good starter so far as well, or really quite good starter uh, thus far. So really happy with how the Brewers' uh, three big young arms have turned out. And it is kind of interesting um, that it, it, it kind of turned on its head. Do you actually, I, I don't know uh, how many people know this, but do you know how the Brewers acquired Freddie Peralta? 
it, it was am I recalling correctly that it was through a trade for, with Adam Lind? Yep, that's correct. Yes. Uh, he Mariner. was he was I think 18 or 19 at the time. Yep. They got two other guys that uh, that don't play anymore, don't don't play affiliated ball anymore, but Freddie Peralta turned out um, and that of course is well worth it for trading a year of Adam Lind. Yeah, I, I remember the trade and I remember us talking about it um, and, and saying, oh, like, you know, who do we get? And it was like, oh, yeah, we got some some lottery tickets, basically. And and we scratched one off and, and won one with uh, Freddie Peralta. I mean, even if Freddie has a good year this year and uh, retired at the end of the year, that would be a, a very much of a, a win in that trade. But I had to think a little bit for how we acquired Peralta. But I did remember the 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 great first baseman, Adam Lind. Uh, but anyways, let's let's keep moving on. Jacob Nottingham, uh, unfortunately being DFA'd felt bad for him. Um, you know, had a pretty decent year last year. We talked about, um, the, the Brewers ERA when Nottingham was catching looked pretty good defensively. Um, had okay, uh, side on the offense last year, but really just didn't have a spot for the, for him this year. And, and I think that may have been different if we saw 2020 Omar Narvaez, but we certainly have not seen 2020 Omar Narvaez. He has been outstanding this year. Uh, Pena has been good as well. So when you've got two pretty solid catchers, uh, both playing well right now. They're, you just can't really make the case for adding a third catcher uh, when you've got, you know, other guys off the bench, Billy McKinney, or you can throw another bullpen arm in there. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And with a guy like Nottingham, who doesn't have a lot of upside, unfortunately, ending up having to be DFA'd. Your thoughts on that, David? I thought that that was really the only move that they could make. They'll probably try to sneak him through waivers. I haven't heard anything so far about uh, whether or not he will uh, be claimed, but I think we'll find that out probably uh, either Monday or Tuesday. So if certainly if, if he is unclaimed, the Brewers will try to keep him in AAA, but I do think probably like the, a good scenario for Nottingham would be being claimed by a rebuilding team where he's able to get some playing time because I think he still uh, could be a, a pretty good backup at this point, maybe like a weak everyday catcher. But I think that a, a rebuilding team could use him and could uh, hold some value for Nottingham uh, a lot more than I'd say he would have with the Brewers just being in AAA. Uh, but I did feel bad a little bit for him, especially five years with the organization, put in a lot of work and he's gotten much better defensively. But unfortunately, the bat hasn't really come around enough for him to be able to uh, be a major league catcher with the Brewers. Yeah, I, I effectively saw Nottingham as the Brewers insurance policy this year uh, for Omar Narvaez is basically, you know, if we saw 2020 Narvaez, I, I think even up until this point, if we, we saw him uh, do this to start the year and Nottingham was coming off the injured list now, I think it would be a little bit of a hard decision, but I really wouldn't blame Stearns if he decided to cut Narvaez loose um, after a, another slow start to this year and, and maybe Nottingham uh, gets a different fate and is the backup for the Brewers. Who knows? But uh, like you said, I don't, I don't think there was much of a question, and I agree. There's, there's right now. There's just not a lot of opportunity in Milwaukee for Nottingham, and best thing for him would really to be go to go somewhere else. And I think he will, uh, because there is some value to to what he brings. Like you said, I'd agree. Uh, likely, probably a backup, a decent backup catcher, um, or maybe who knows? Maybe he turns a Martin Maldonado situation and goes from what we would expect to be just a, a backup catcher into a, a okay starter. So we'll see what Nottingham. Uh, is able to do um, going forward. A fair amount of uh, busyness on the injured list. Jace Peterson, Brett Anderson, and Josh Lindblom all uh, being added to the 10-day IL while Colton Wong uh, being activated from it. Anything to note uh, on, on those transactions? 
Um, well, a couple of strange injuries. Jace Peterson left thumb cryotherapy. Not sure what that entails or what that stemmed from. And Josh Lindblom, right knee effusion. Uh, I asked on Twitter what that was. I think someone said like swelling by the joint uh, on the inside of the, the knee. So uh, Lynn Bloom, of course, coming after he went, what, like three innings, eight runs, nine runs, something like that. Uh, it's possible that they basically tried to find an injury for him uh, so that they could uh, place him on the injured list because he has not looked good this year and then work, with, work on some things over the next couple of weeks before reactivating him. Peterson had actually played pretty well um, but had this thumb injury come up. And I do think that actually Peterson being placed on the injured list could have saved Daniel Robertson from a, a DFA. Uh, he could have been cut loose. He's not performed well uh, outside of his one inning on the mound maybe. But uh, but he hasn't performed well. And I think Peterson maybe being put on the aisle could have uh, helped Robertson, especially since Wong now activated from the aisle, uh, a little bit harder of a path to playing time for Robertson. I could be totally wrong on the left, th left thumb cryotherapy, but it could also be an injury from using cryotherapy. I know Antonio Brown had that and some other athletes who use the cryotherapy, which is the um, like super, super cold temperatures. Um, I, I by no means fully understand it, but I know that if you use it incorrectly or make mistakes around it, it can cause injuries because it's so cold. So perhaps that's uh, what Jace Peterson's injury um, was. And actually speaking of Daniel Robertson, I, perhaps we would have gotten on this as we went by our, our recap of the week, but Daniel Robertson, Robertson, very scary sight um, on Sunday's game, uh, squaring around a bunt uh, in the ninth inning. And he had a fastball to the helmet um, in the ninth and a very not, you know, there's fastballs to the helmets that are like, you know, you wince a little, but he was squared to bunt, um, had his face exposed. Luckily, he was able to tuck his chin, uh, take it off the helmet, uh, did go on the ground. Uh, our favorite Wilson Contreras did go right to him right away, uh, which we saw an ounce of class from him. Um, an ounce, but, a little bit generous. Yes, yes. But, uh, but Robertson able to get up on his own, uh, Brewers trainer he heading out there to check on him. And ultimately, he was able to stay in the game. Uh, like I said, very fortunate that he was able to tuck his head down um, and take it off the helmet instead of the forehead because it was really inches away. Um, and, you know, Brewers ending up actually scoring a bunch of runs later um, in that game um, off Adams, who uh, pitched in that game. Uh, but, yeah, that's kind of a side note from, from Daniel Robertson. Uh, but anything else before we cover this week's games? One last piece of transactions uh, or news that we haven't covered yet. We've taken like 12 minutes to uh, to talk <laughs> about our transactions, but Phil Bickford was recalled. He pitched only one game last year, but he's back in the bullpen. Uh, probably will be optioned out after he makes like a two-inning appearance. Uh, just one of those arms, but uh, he was activated after a couple of those injuries. Uh, but yeah, now let's move into... Uh, some of the uh, the better news from the week, not all the injuries, but rather the very productive play that the Brewers had, both in San Diego and in Chicago. They only lost one game, uh, ended up going five and one on the week. Very impressive, I thought. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, really impressive. We, we talked about this at the beginning of the episode. A lot of guys stepping up. Uh, Brewers rotation looking good as usual. Game one was an exciting matchup. Uh, Musgrove and Woodruff, two very good arms. Woodruff, as usual, pitching very well. Six innings, one runs, passing off to uh, Brewers reliever, who's actually made the most appearances thus far, J.P. Feierisen, uh, looking very good as well. Another scoreless inning. He's actually yet to allow an earned run yet this year. So maybe the next Devin Williams for the Brewers this year. We'll see. Uh, but going on, handing it off to Suter and Hader to shut the door. And Brewers taking that one 
three one a good start to uh, the the roads the road series uh, in San Diego. Uh, game two, also another good matchup. Uh, when, I mean, with the Brewers rotation, a lot of the, there's a lot of good matchups, but Corbin Burns doing his thing as well, uh, pitching well. Uh, I, I got to mention in the bottom of the fourth, uh, he had given up two singles. Uh, I believe it was Profar and then Hosmer. Will Myers at the plate with two outs. Line one into left, which looked like a, a clear double off the bat. Likely two runs were going to score. Um, pretty big spot in the game. Uh, Brewers were up 5 nothing at the time, uh, but... Corbin Burns obviously doesn't give up a lot of runs as we've seen this year. Uh, but Billy McKinney came out of nowhere to make a diving catch, uh, full extension, great play. For some reason, StatCast had it as a 30% catch probability, um, which I thought was way too high. Even actually the uh, Brewers announcers were kind of saying the same thing when they showed it. I'm not really sure why it was a 30% probability. Did, yeah, did well, it wasn't just like a like routine diving catch. Like there's no. some of those where, uh, where like they're diving catches, but they're not like extremely impressive. But this right. one I thought was really good. Yeah, it, it was it was really good. Uh, good timing uh, kept Burns from allowing another earned run, um, and you know shifted momentum towards the Brewers again. And again, Brewers taking that one six to nothing. Offense showing up a big five spot in the third. Billy McKinney hitting a home run. Shaw knocking in some more runs, and Omar Narvaez continuing his hot streak as well. Uh, which followed into the the final game of the three game set. Adrian Hauser, uh, who pitched okay against Lamette. Uh, Lamette did actually have to leave the game. Um, and the Brewers, again, taking this one four to two. Uh, David, your thoughts uh, beyond uh, your thoughts on this series sweep against one of the best teams in baseball? I thought it was extremely impressive. I watched much of the, the final game. And once they recorded the final out, there's a little bit of um, like it, it seemed like there was more meaning to it than just your average regular season game going into San Diego sweeping what should be on paper one of the best teams in the major leagues. Unfortunately, Denelson Lamette was placed on the injured list. He's a, a very good young pitcher. And the headline says that that the Padres are hoping he'll avoid a second Tommy John surgery. So it looks like it could be serious. Hopefully he does avoid the Tommy John surgery, uh, but a little bit unfortunate there in that game on the Padre side of things. I also thought Hauser was okay. I, I didn't think that he was great. Hauser's so far not looked great this year, but he's getting out. He has a 3-3-2 ERA right now. So, so far he's been fine. I do think he'll regress a little bit. Um, and hopefully he will, um, hopefully he'll improve a little bit also. But the bullpen stepping up really nicely in that game. Hauser went four and two thirds, two runs. And uh, I thought that kind of what, what happened after with the bullpen is what the Brewers have been hoping the bullpen would do all year long. Passing it on to Suter, get into the later innings. Williams with a scoreless inning. Boxberger and Fireising shutting him down in the uh, in the eighth. And even that one, Boxberger did not have his good stuff. Walked a couple batters, allowed a hit. Bases loaded, nobody out. Was able to get a strikeout on Fam. Fireising came out. Uh, and struck out both batters. That was extremely impressive. Bases loaded, yes. one out, and Fire Eisen shuts the door. That was the biggest moment of the game. Uh, and and you can see then clearly that Hayter is going to be a traditional closer because Brewer's not even turning to Hayter with bases loaded, one out in the eighth. Instead, they turn it over to Hayter in the ninth, and he ends up uh, getting the last three outs against the Padres. A lot of two base runners, but still able to get the save and uh, get the Brewers out of there with the series sweep. I thought that was a, a big showing uh, by the Brewers bullpen. That's been probably the shakiest part of their team so far. That was a really impressive showing. And that was really one of the major takeaways of that game. 
Yeah, certainly. And I can't keep, t- I, I really can't stop talking about JP fire eyes and not only what the stats that he has put up this year, but just how good he's looked. Uh, but certainly I think the, the pinnacle of the season so far was that appearance um, in game three of the series in that eighth inning, like you said, coming into a big spot, Brewers clearly putting a lot of trust in him, bringing him in. Like you said, they had hater um, who was a very viable option in that role. I'm um, deciding to go to fire eyes and showing a lot of trust in him. And, and he's able to get two huge outs um, and really secure the Brewers uh, win in that one. So again, Brewers sweeping the San Diego Padres this week uh, with an off day on Thursday and uh, Brewers chose to take an off day on Friday as well. Uh, losing that one 15 to two uh, over in Chicago, Brett Anderson, uh, we talked about injuring uh, in that game, getting injured in that game. Uh, and then Josh Lindblom and Perdomo both having kind of blow up uh, outings in that one. Uh, not too much to cover, but Brewers falling 15 to two in that one. Uh, game two, Freddie Peralta uh, only making it through four innings, uh, giving up two runs. Uh, but we see the usual JP Fireites and uh, pitching in the seventh, Williams in the eighth, Hater in the ninth, and Brewers able to take this one 4-3. Came down a little bit of a, of a I don't know, nail biter at the end. Um, but, you know, just another good Brewers-Cubs uh, rivalry in that game. Any, anything to note from that one, David? Uh, if you didn't see Freddie Peralta's uh, breaking ball that he threw to Adbert Alzali when, when the Cubs pitcher was hitting, uh, go look it up. Pitching Ninja posted it. He threw a, like a slider or a curveball like way out of the zone, and Alzali took maybe the ugliest swing I've seen in a major league game. Uh, it was It was terrible. I think actually – uh, since like 2008, when they started recording those things, it, it actually might have been the worst swing and miss, uh, like, like the farthest pitch out of the zone on a swing and miss uh, ever. Um, it was it was bad. So uh, if you didn't if you didn't see that, uh, look it up. But yeah, another another good showing by the bullpen, bouncing back from the 15-2 game and taking it this one 4-3 uh, won't help their uh, the run differential, but it'll help in the the win and loss column, which is of course what really matters. Overall strong showing, though. Um, and they, they, of course, went into the rubber match then, needing to win to take the series. Woodruff, strong performance, six innings, two hits, no runs, which really has become as usual, I think. Like, we talk about Gio Gonzalez with the five <laughs> innings, two, three runs, or even Brett Anderson kind of similarly. Woodruff and Burns, their usual is six innings, no runs now at this point. And, like, at most, like, three hits. Uh, Woodruff, though, with yeah, the great performance, Fireisen, Williams, and then they they took the lead in the in the ninth or uh, extended their lead in the ninth, and six nothing game was pretty much over. Yardley came in uh, while I was at that Twins game. I was kind of keeping my eye on the out of town scoreboard over there in right field, and I see one nothing for the longest time, and then three nothing, four nothing, six nothing, and uh, Brewers were able to kind of take that one handily as a result at the end. Yeah, Jake Arrieta uh, actually kind of pitched pitched well, but struggled uh, in the first first five batters reached for the Brewers. Travis Shaw walked uh, to bring in a run. Brewers really getting that one run there in the first. And Jake Arrieta actually looked really good after that. Um, seemed to have really good stuff. Retired 15 straight as well um, in his outing. So definitely got to be frustrating for, for a guy like him, you know, to only give up that one run in the first. He looked good. Um, but like you said, Brewers piling it on the ninth, uh, batting through the order. That, that uh, included Daniel Robertson's hit by a pitch, which uh, loaded up the bases, I believe, uh, and, and cleared a path for Luis Rios to drive in two runs on a base hit, followed by uh, Colton Wong, Travis Shaw, and Tyrone Taylor all uh, bringing in runs as well. Uh, kind of an interesting, as I was watching that game, talking about, you know, after you hit a guy like Robertson in the head, do you leave Adam in the game? I mean, he's kind of rattled as a pitcher. You just clearly accidentally hit the guy in the head. 
um, sort of rattled um, and then ended up hanging a slider to Urias. I'm just curious your thoughts there after you hit somebody like that, would you rather uh, take your pitcher out, you know, let him, you know, bring in a fresh, a fresh guy who's got a clear head um, or leave him in for that next hitter? I think it really depends on the guy and on the situation. Uh, I was I wasn't able to watch at that point. Uh, of course, I do see Adam's stat line: zero innings, five runs. Not really at any point uh, or at any any situation what you want. Uh, did that play a role? It's possible. Uh, I think it really depends on the guy, but I do think that's something to consider. You know, you don't see that like on the the spreadsheet that they're looking at before games for matchups. You don't see that, and that's more of the human element. But I do think that that's a consideration. You remember uh, back a few years ago when Mike Fires hit Giancarlo Stanton in the face, he clearly seemed rattled. And I don't definitely do not think he was intentional, but hit Reed Johnson up near the head in the hand uh, the next pitch. And then Casey McGee came out and charged the mound. Mike Fires was clearly uh, extremely rattled. So it's possible that you, uh, even though these are major leaguers who are very mentally strong, uh, that they are going to be rattled a little bit by that at some points. And it's possible that that got to Adam a little bit in this game here in the ninth inning when the Brewers put up a five spot. Yeah, like you said, five spot in the ninth. I believe 12 batters came to, to bat, if I remember correctly. Uh, but huge inning, uh, Yardley coming in, closing the door. Devin Williams looked pretty good, uh, lowered his ERA uh, down uh, without giving up a run. Um, he had an okay week overall, gave up a home run to Jason Hayward uh, in that Cubs series, but starting to look a little bit better, a little bit more consistency as well. So again, Brewers going five and one, um, great week, top of the NL Central at a 13 and eight record now. Uh, Cardinals have been playing uh, better as of late as well, uh, 11 and 10, Pirates even at 11, 11, Cubs 10 and 11, and Reds 9 and 12. So not a lot of spread at this point, but Brewers still up two games uh, from St. Louis at this point. And uh, interesting to take a look at, at Fangraph's projections for the rest of the year as well. Uh, of course, Brewers starters um, have performed better than I think just about everybody expected. Um, but Fangraphs has the Brewers, you know, winning the NL Central um, and being the only team in the division uh, to have a winning record going forward. Um, so they do have the Brewers winning just 72 uh, excuse me, just going 72 and 70 for the remainder of the season, which to me, I think is a conservative estimate based on what we've seen today. What are your thoughts on that? I would agree with you. I, I think that's a little bit of a conservative estimate. I think going into the year, they looked like about an 85 win team, 84, 85 wins. But I think that what we've seen so far is, is better than that. Also have to remember that, like I said earlier, we don't have Yelich, we don't have Kane right now. Jackie Bradley's it really hasn't even gotten going yet. So like, although we do have some guys that are maybe overperforming like McKinney and Narvaez, I think that they are carving out a little bit of stronger roles and that's deepening the ball club a little bit. And the pitching, I, I mean, the pitching is going to be worse. Of course, Corbin Burns is going to allow another run at some point. He's going to walk somebody probably uh, over <laughs> the course of his next 27 starts. But at the same time, uh, the way that their pitching staff has looked, it, it seems like it's more sustainable than than certain guys. Like Hauser, I don't think looks that sustainable, uh, for example. But I think Woodruff looks a little more sustainable. And their bullpen, they usually carve out roles a little bit more going into May. I think I mentioned that on last week's episode that they usually carve roles later into April and into May and figure out where everyone fits into place. It looks like that's even really starting to happen already. 
Suter, the middle of the middle, kind of middle innings guy. Fire Risen's carving out a nice role in the seventh inning uh, around that time. Williams has been gaining his foothold a little bit more on the eighth. Hater in the ninth. And some of the other guys like Rasmussen still getting going. Perdomo been up and down in Yardley. But I do think that the bullpen is better now. And I think they have a pretty good bullpen going forward, a very good rotation, and about an average offense. So when you combine those things, I think that's a little bit better than about uh, what, will, what would that be, an 85-win team? I think it's more like an 88-win team uh, if I were to make an estimate going forward. Yeah, I think on paper that's an 88-win team at least. And when you consider the, the Craig Council effect or the Brewers bullpen effect, whatever you want to call it, I think you could make the case that it might even be a 90-win team. Uh, one, one potential risk I do see for the Brewers is starting pitching depth. You know, we are going to see injuries. We've already seen it with the offense, but we haven't really seen it um, until Brad Anderson, of course, going on the IL this week. You know, Brewers lose, lose a guy like Burns or Woodruff. I mean, we saw the Brewers lose Burns at the end of last year. So I do think that that is a potential risk for the Brewers. Uh, of course, Anderson and Lindblom now on the IL. Who would you see the Brewers uh, looking to if we did see one of their starting pitchers go down? Well, I think Eric Lauer is still probably the logical choice at this point. He has not really looked good at any point in a Brewers uniform. And I, to be honest, I'm not really sure why. But I do think that he's probably the next guy in line. Alec Bettinger is another guy. Could get some starts. Uh, he's at the alternate training site right now. Jordan Zimmerman also. We saw him in camp. Uh, and he ended up re-signing on a minor league deal. He could actually uh, make some starts if we see uh, a little bit of a change. They will need another starter to come up at some point, unless they decide to bullpen for a little bit of a, a little bit of a amount of time. I don't know if that's likely. Anderson seems like he'll be out for a little bit. Uh, strained hamstrings usually don't heal extremely quick, so I'm actually hoping that it'll be Alec Bettinger, maybe even Aaron Ashby, uh, but a little bit more of an interesting arm. Uh, or they could go with with a guy like Zimmerman. Yeah, I, I don't think bullpenny makes a ton of sense, especially in, in the 2020 season, excuse me, 2021 season, when, you know, innings limits or just managing, trying to manage workloads for both starting pitchers and relief pitchers is a concern. I, I don't know that it makes a lot of sense to, you know, put an extra three innings on Brent Suter, two on Rasmus and that sort of thing, uh, just to avoid, you know, having the Brewers turn to Lauer, Bettinger, or Ashby, even if they just go four innings um, or even be conservative and have them go three. Um, but I, I don't know that bullpenning at this point of the season makes a lot of sense. So, yeah, it will be interesting. Brewers will be forced to make a decision on that front. Any other potential weaknesses that you see in the Brewers roster? I do think that at the trade deadline, they should try to add uh, a bat because Narvaez is hitting really well, and I, I think he will be a, a pretty good hitter going forward. They've got, they've got a decent hitting infield. Uh, Shaw, he's been up and down. He's had a lot of RBIs so far, but he still is only hitting 211, 263 on base percentage. Not sure exactly what to expect from him going forward, uh, but might want to see a bat maybe at third base. Uh, I know one potential thing. I don't know if I want to get, uh, get my hopes up and everyone else's uh, hopes up in the, in the Brewers fandom, but Ken Rosenthal has said that the Brewers would be a logical landing spot for Trevor Story at the deadline. That would be a huge addition if the Brewers added one of the best shortstops. He is a rental, so he'd be only for the rest of the year. That would lower the price, though, if the Brewers are able to trade a couple mid-level prospects to Colorado, bring back Trevor Story for a half year. 
Uh, and then you can mix and match a little bit too with Urias and Shaw at third, uh, maybe a little bit mixing him in at second also. Story would play every day at short, but that would be a big boost to both the offense and the defense, uh, but mostly the offense. I That's a little bit of a, a lofty thing to uh, to consider, but if they could, if Stearns could pull that off, I'd be uh, very much in favor of that. Yeah, like you said, I, I think it is a very logical uh you know, spot Brewers shortstop is a weaker spot. And, you know, I don't know what the Rockies are going to be looking to do, but clearly they're not contending this year. And you've got the San Diego Padres and Dodgers in, in your division. So I'm not sure that uh, right now makes a ton of sense to really be trying to compete um, at the same time. So, you know, certainly we'll see what happens. What kind of asking price would you expect to see for, you know, a very, very good shortstop in story, uh, but just for that half year? Well, if we go based off of what their asking price was for Arenado, they might just give him to the Brewers for free. Um, I'm not really sure exactly because uh, the Rockies are one of the most confusing organizations as far as like what the return might be. I would I would expect a few mid-level prospects. Um, I I don't think the Brewers would be willing to part with Garrett Mitchell or Bryce Turing for a rental. Maybe one of their their left-handed pitchers that they've got. So maybe one of Ethan Small, Antoine Kelly, and Aaron Ashby. I think they'd be more likely to keep Ashby because he's more major league ready. So maybe Antoine Kelly would be the guy to go in that deal. Maybe a catcher like Mario Feliciano uh, could be a logical guy to include in a deal. So maybe those two and then maybe some sort of major league piece. Not exactly sure who that'd be, um, but that'd be a package that... I don't know if I'd say it would blow the Rockies away or it'd be like a great package, but I think it's possible that the Brewers get story with that, uh, with that prospect package. We don't really know. And this is all very speculative, still three yeah. months out from the deadline, but that would be great if the Brewers were able to bring in someone of his stature, uh, but even just a, a pretty big bat in general, uh, not exactly sure who that might be at this point, but I do think that they probably will need somebody. And even we saw in 2018 when they had a, a pretty good run there in the postseason, they added a, a lot of guys to the roster towards the end of the year. They added scope, of course, didn't work out at all. Uh, but they added Curtis Granderson too, even just like a bench bat. I think that guys like that can help a lot. And they'd have to do that a little bit more in advance with no uh, no waiver trading in August. I Again, a little bit of a ways away, but I think that the offense might be a little bit behind uh, the pitching staff overall. Yeah, and certainly Stearns has shown his desire to win and, and Atanasio as well with uh, the flexibility uh, to, you know, give Stearns options. And certainly we'll see what 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 Stearns will do. And as usual in Stearns, we trust. Um, but uh, kind of a long recap. Um, good to dwell on uh, five really good Brewers games this week. Um, but heading out here before we head out, I should say, um, we got our quick listener segments here. Uh, question coming in on Jackie Bradley Jr. So, David, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. So before we head out today, uh, as we close things up here, we want to do a quick listener segment. Uh, we started this last week. Um, and we, today we had a question come in from uh, one of our listeners who wanted to hear, David, your thoughts on Jackie Bradley Jr. And whether you thought JBJ would be able to turn around uh, a season that's been, you know, a very slow start for him offensively. So do you see JBJ turning around this season? And uh, what kind of impact do you see him making for the Brewers? I do think he'll turn it around. He's a pretty proven veteran bat. I mean, he's been a, a relatively steady hitter for the last six, seven years playing in Boston. So I don't think that there's a reason to believe that he just like, forgot to hit or something like that. Um, he, of course, hasn't been good so far this year. He's like barely walked at all, not making a ton of contact. 
He, uh, he has a 35% strikeout rate, so that's not looking very good. But I do think he'll turn it around. I think it's early, an early season slump. We see that pretty often. Usually there will be a couple guys on a team. Uh, and I think he's basically the guy that that's happening uh, to right now. Uh, he also had a little bit of a late start to spring training. I think that that's definitely a possibility for why uh, he may be off to a slow start. We saw him join the team uh, a little bit more towards early March rather than like early to mid-February. I think it's possible then that that could have played a role into Bradley's slow start. Uh, I do think he'll turn it around, though. I do think he'll end up being a pretty solid player. But if he does have a down year, it's more likely that his player option will be exercised for next year, and he will stay around uh, for 2022 uh, for, I think it's like 12, 13 million, something like that. Uh, so that is something that could be a factor then if he doesn't hit as well, probably won't be as likely to opt out of that second year in the deal. But there you have it. Uh, I, I do believe JBJ, like you said, he, he's, a, he's an established bat. And uh, certainly I think he will be continue to be given the chance uh, to get in that lineup. And I, I do expect him to turn things around. We still are early in the season. So uh, thanks for, thanks for uh, sending in that question. You can uh, drop a question or uh, whatever you want to send us. Uh, we'll be happy to, to share some questions on our mailbag sessions. Uh, you can find us on social media at Brewers Podcast or on our website, of course. Uh, so before we head out, David, today, what was today's trivia question? Today's trivia question was, who is the only active Twins player to have previously played for the Brewers? Yeah, so this one, this one had me thinking uh, when, you, when you threw it out there at the beginning. And first came to mind was Jonathan Scope, because I know Scope went over there um, after his short stint uh, with the Brewers. Um, but I believe he's moved on since then um, and was, was trying to mull that over. Uh, came across a, a name who did play for the Brewers, DH now primarily for the Twins in Nelson Cruz. That's correct. Did you, did you look that one up? Did you look up uh, who their roster was and cheat a little bit? I, I definitely did not. I, I, I would have no capabilities of doing such things since, uh, you know, no, we don't use any sources at all in our podcast. It's all just right off the top of the head. Okay. Um, well, glad that you were able to get that trivia question answered uh, correctly. It is Nelson Cruz. I'm, I'm glad that you had such confidence in me that I got the correct answer and you uh, immediately guessed that, uh, that, I, that I cheated on the answer. So Yeah, I, I guess I was a little bit skeptical <laughs> of that. It was only a second year with the Twins, I think. So, um, so it's not like he's a household name for the Twins, like he's been there for a long time. He actually hit a home run today. Uh, and he is playing at age 40 right now. Uh, I think I think he might be the oldest player in the American League. And he debuted back for the back with the Brewers in 2005. Um, we would probably spend way too long if we looked at the lineup for that day. Um, but those would probably be some great names uh, and probably the only active player left from that game. But Nelson Cruz is today's answer to the trivia question: uh, Who the only active Twins player is to have previously played for the Brewers? So there you have it. And uh, finally here, before we head out, looking ahead to next week, Brewers uh, now return home for a home stand against uh, Miami Marlins. The Miami Marlins, as Rob Manfred would say. Uh, and then uh, the Dodgers coming to town, actually uh, excited to get to one of those games myself. Um, should be good. Hopefully, you know, Brewers swept the Padres. Why not sweep the Dodgers too while we're at it? Um, we'll see if the Brewers can continue the hot streak and continue to build up that lead in the NL Central and hopefully make a strong push as the season continues. So, David, your final thoughts here before we sign off? 
Yeah, the Brewers went the first 21 games without facing a left-handed starting pitcher, and they will face a left-handed starting pitcher, of course, not only on Monday, but also on Tuesday against the Marlins. Back-to-back games might see a little bit more Manny Pena action. Trevor Rogers starting for the, the Marlins on Monday. He's a very exciting young left-handed pitcher. I'd recommend watching if you're able to. Uh, got, I would say, kind of an electric arm. Uh, he looks very good. Daniel Castano is actually starting game two. I think he only is has made two major league starts. So uh, another intriguing arm. And then we've got the Jimmy Nelson return series on Saturday, or the Jimmy Nelson return series Thursday to Sunday, member of the Dodgers bullpen currently. It looks like we will also see Walker Bueller in that game. I don't know if, if any of you guys are familiar, but when the Dodgers signed Justin Turner, he tweeted, were we scared? Ha ha ha, the Brewers. And uh, maybe a little bit of drama starting there. I'm not sure. Also would like to mention that he put an apostrophe in between the E and the R and were. So didn't check his grammar after autocorrect probably uh, did not help him. But uh, but maybe a little bit of drama there, hopefully, because drama is always fun in baseball. And Trevor Bauer, the drama king of Major League Baseball, will be coming to town as well. Uh, so potentially an interesting series against the Dodgers, best team in, in the National League right now. Good week coming up ahead. Marlins, a young, exciting team also. I'm excited to watch. I'm excited to see how the Brewers do coming off of this really good road trip. Are they able to sustain their success against the Marlins and against a very good Dodgers team? Certainly hope so, but uh, we'll see how they're able to finish off the month of April and uh, propel themselves now going into May, a little bit more advanced into the season. Absolutely. So you broke that down better than I could have. And so with that, I will sign off and go Brewers. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. We would greatly appreciate if you would rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. We'd also love if you would be willing to support our podcast financially. And you can find the link to do that down below in the episode notes through the Anchor app. Be sure to check out our blog at bleedingblueandyellow.wordpress.com where you can find great articles and content there. And interact with us at Brewers Podcast on Twitter or Instagram. Thanks for listening and see you next week.